All right, let's get straight to it. No introduction from Jim Nance on this one, because I'm on the road. I don't have all my editing equipment. It's Beyond the Clubhouse, and I'm Garrett Johnson, your host. And what a PGA Championship it was. Phil Mickelson gets his win at age 50, the oldest major champion, and it's the PGA, his sixth major championship win. Just what a moment. I think just obviously the emotion of his brother and the hug they had on 18, their first major together. Uh, very cool stuff. I have Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel. He was there all week with Jaime Diaz, and we'll get to Todd in just a minute. I'm going to get him on the phone here. Um, in the meantime, I do want to talk to you about a new ranking with uh, Beyond the Clubhouse. We are in the top 60 golf podcast you must follow in 2021 from blog.feedspot.com. So shout out to them. Guys, thanks for the ranking. Great to follow you as always uh, on your other picks as well. Some good ones there on other golf podcasts. And remember as well, um, the Verowex one golf ball, Avant 55, some good golf balls there from Encore Golf. Check them out, EncoreGolf.com. Use my promo code B Clubhouse, the letter B Clubhouse, and you get 10% off merchandise when you order online. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram as well at Encore Golf. And let's see if we can get Todd Lewis here on the phone. You can hear I'm dialing him right now. We're gonna get T Lou on the phone, the veteran golf channel reporter. But a great week at the PGA so far. So here we go. T Lou. Hey, Todd Lewis, how are you? Hey, good guy. Hang on one second. Yeah, no problem. A lot of anticipation. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, thanks for the call. Awesome. No problem. No problem. I, I'm driving, driving on 95. <laughs> driving up to, uh, down to Orlando, huh? Yeah, going home for two days. Out of boy, and then you head right back out to uh, Colonial. No, I'm actually going to Connecticut to host Golf Central, and then I go to the Memorial, then back to Connecticut to host Golf Central, and then to U.S. Open. So about a month on the road, starting Wednesday. So. Well, hey, when it rains, it pours. This is uh, middle of May. It's it's go time, right? Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Well, hey, I'll get us started. First of all, I mean, Todd, um, takeaways from the week here at the PGA Championship. What do you take away? Um, the biggest takeaway is that we may have seen one of the greatest performances, at least one of the most historic performances in major championship history. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I think, Phil, I read this morning was 200 to 1 to win the PGA Championship. He had not had a top 20 finish uh, the entire year worldwide. Uh, I was in Charlotte at Wells Fargo when he shot 64 on Thursday, and I think he shot 70-something, a big number. He made the cut, but he you know, he finished like outside the top 60 at that event uh, on Friday. And so... I mean, it's I, I saw a different Phil Mickelson, one, at least one that's different than I have seen over the last couple of years, somebody who was in control with his emotions, with his mentality, uh, and yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's just something I'll never forget. Well, when you say you, something you'll never forget, I mean, I, I always think when I go to a major, like, what am I going to think back in 50 years? What am I going to remember? What couple images for you, Todd, come to mind from this particular PGA Championship win? Mm-hmm. Actually, you see a couple of things. The, the whole out of five was incredible from from the Sandy area. Uh, the walk up eighteen. I mean, look, you think about the icons that have had that happen to them: uh, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, uh, David Duvall, who was the dominant player at the time, uh, Tiger Woods, like at at East Lake. Yeah, that was incredible. Um, and now from that 
to happen. I mean, that, that, that was just, just something I'll never forget. And, and that's because he gives, he gives fans the opportunities to connect with him. Mm. Uh, and I think that, I, I think that's incredible. I mean, he is, he is this generation of Arnold Palmer. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he makes fans feel like that's my guy. He's looking at me. Um, and, 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 you know, for instance, Tiger now kind of sees that as well. When Tiger was at the height of his powers, we've never seen anybody do to a golf ball what he was doing. Um, but, you know, green to tee and, and when he was playing, he was focused. He barely ever acknowledged the crowd. Um, but now he, he, he's different. He's interacting. And I, I think some of that he's picked up from Phil. I, I, I do. Uh, and the fact that he is by far, although Tiger may be and will be considered a better player, uh, yeah. Phil, may, Phil may be a more relatable icon than Tiger was in golf. No doubt about it. Mm. Well, when you when you talk about Phil and his uh, relatability, what have been, <laughs> I guess, well, what was your experience with Phil this week? I, I know on Sunday night, I don't, I think the guys interviewed him, right? Rich and yeah. and Brandel interviewed him, but did you interview him throughout this week? Oh yeah, yeah. I, you know, I found him to be present. Um, you know, staying, not looking to Sunday night, holding the Longamaker Trophy. I, I, I imagine. Never got a chance to ask him, but sure, absolutely. I, I bet Saturday night and Sunday morning he was thinking or allowing himself to think about winning uh, at the age of 50. But for the most part, he, he stayed in the moment, stayed present. Um, I hey, Look, hey, we all were watching, and we all would be lying to ourselves if we, we weren't. We were watching Phil. When he got that lead on the back nine, where's the double or triple booking going to happen? because <laughs> he, he, he has broken his own heart and the hearts of his fans several times in his career. I mean, it's a feast or famine with him. Uh, if you're looking for boring golf with Phil Mickelson, middle of the fairway, middle of the green, two putt, maybe a birdie here or there, that's not going to happen. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't record a double bogey on that final round. And, and he, he mentioned the fact that Tim, his younger brother, and his caddy had a conversation with him as he walked off the sixth green and said, man, if you want to win this championship, you've got to hit some committed shots. And that's mm-hmm. and Phil admitted he wasn't committed, and that's nerves. I mean, Phil is in the Hall of Fame. Phil is, at the time, it was a five-time major champion. Phil had 44 PGA Tour wins, but he felt that weight. You know, he's seen everything, but he felt a lot of weight and pressure yesterday on that opening nine um so he was able to kind of get focused and and you know a bogey or two is not going to hurt you on that golf course and and game manage his way around like a veteran should and win this championship Mm. and for you when you talk about phil being out there feeling the nerves front nine and then of course closing and not making a big number what is todd lewis doing in his preparation for what you call the huge historic major what are you doing during play of the final round well I, I like just like mentioned like everyone else we're hanging on to see how this is going to develop i, I mean i felt like my preparation i mean I, I, first i'm fortunate it's marty smith who i consider a great talent at espn he and i spent a lot of time at augusta 
uh, recently for the Masters, and we were talking about this, and people may not know this about Marty, but Marty, prior to coming to ESPN, he was a NASCAR reporter for, uh, you know, 10, minimum 10 years. Mm. And, and, and then he's gone on to do great things. And he said, man, I, I, I see you and I watch you on TV being me. And it's like, you know the players, you know the caddies, you know the coaches, you know the wives. You know, and he says it's just instant muscle memory. So I, so I, I kind of do know all that information. But now what I have to do is just gather all of this, know the personalities, know the fact that this was not just a Phil Mickelson victory. This was Tim Mickelson, as I mentioned, his younger brother who was on the bag. It's Steve Loy, who is his coach at Arizona State, who became his business partner, his agent, and his friend. There's Andrew Getson, who's been a swing coach for six years. You know, the things that he's been working on with Phil to try to keep him present. Uh, you know, and, and making sure that that this story was told not just only from the eyes, the, the mouth, the heart of Phil Mickelson, but for all of those who support him and help build this great moment, too. And so I, I'm, I made sure that we made our cameras available to get in front of these guys. I had to I had to really beg Andrew Getson. I mean, I literally did. It's like, come on. <laughs> he told me three times, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it because he doesn't like to he, – he's kind of camera shy. He doesn't really like to talk about Phil uh, when it comes to his swing and everything. And I'm like, your guy just won a major championship. It's the first time he's won a major championship since you've been working with him. Come over here. And so finally he did. And he was beautiful. He was awesome. And I know hopefully it's going to be on Golf Channel today at some time. So, uh, so that's what I'm thinking. You know, just – to complete the story, not just about Phil, which by far should be getting the the most attention, but there are also other components there as well. I know I, lo I love that talk because, like in my writing, the last ten years since I've known you out there on on the tour, I've all, always been about this. It's about the support, you know. It's about the family. Oh, yeah. It's about the coaches, the people that are there for them every day. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, it takes a village to raise an idiot. Is that what Parody said? Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> uh it's but they 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 can't do this alone uh i mean they they really i mean even tiger even mr palmer uh, jack i mean they they didn't do this alone i mean they had a lot of support to help them get to where they, they wanted to be yeah well the resilience you had with with uh, andrew i mean was it just a matter of hey once you got to know it's like now nah, you just knew you had to keep pursuing it well, I mean, again, going back to the fact that I'm out on the road 25 full weeks a year with these guys, we build relationships, and and, and I totally respect what Andrew Getzer has done, or Getzer has done, excuse me. Um, but, uh, you, know, I, you know, we also, it's not just a business out there for me, and I, I know you're out there as well, that, you know, you, you develop these personal relationships, and, you know, it's... Andrew understood it was it was a it was an iconic moment. It was an historic moment, and he was a part of that. He was, uh, although he is based uh, in humility, uh, he he really you know he he is a big part of that story. And finally, he agreed to do it. It was it was awesome. Well, speaking of a big part of the story, you mentioned Tim Mickelson, the brother, <laughs> on the bag, and you got to interview uh, Tim. And what what a cool moment that was, just to kind of talk with him about. Um, just the importance of that final round and, and just talking there off, off a six, as you said. What did you take yeah. away from, from talking to Tim Mickelson yesterday? Well, I've gotten to know Tim over the last couple of years. He's become a new father recently. Uh, I'm a little baby boy, and every time I see him, we talk about that. Um, you know, and I, I, 
I get the sense, although we haven't, you know, we didn't talk about it yesterday because, you know, it was it was just a, such a whirlwind uh, after Phil won. But you know, Tim's in a great spot. Obviously, uh, family is important to him with his newborn son and recently getting married. And and to have you know Big Brother uh, help him win his his sixth major championship. And it's the first one he's been on the bag for. I mean, it's emotional. Yeah, it's it's a it was a beautiful moment um, for him to not only walk the fairways with him, but to you know keep him focused, to coach him, to suggest. I mean, you got it takes some coconuts to tell a guy who I'm, not only is your boss technically, but he's also <laughs> your big brother. It's like, hey man, get it together. <laughs> you know, get it. The only reason you're leading right now is because Brooks isn't playing very well. So if you want to win this championship, get it together. And, uh, you know, that's essentially, and he, he worded it beautifully, as Phil pointed out yesterday, as like, hey, if you want to win this, you need to be more committed with your swings. And uh, that just kind of was, was, the, was the face slap that Phil needed when <laughs> it worked out. But you're right. Phil is such an alpha on top of the fact that he's the older brother and the boss. You know, like, how do you step in in such a crucial moment of a major and right the ship? Well, I mean, hats off to Tim, but hats off to Phil for, for you know, having him, having that trust in Tim to do that. Uh, I, I think that they are a great team. I mean, all week, it wasn't just yesterday. Phil said this to me on Saturday and Friday. It's like, Tim has been great in keeping me present. Uh, I, I tell you one thing that I noticed about Phil this week is he was very deliberate over every shot, every shot. It took him a while to play uh, a, round, a round of golf. I mean, they were a full hole behind uh, Louis Eustace and Kevin Streelman in that final round because Phil was completely taking time, visualizing, uh, and not, let, not letting, at least outwardly, it seemed like to have fear of failing be his motivation. And uh, I, I think that that has some, some freedom. And like I said, he's experienced uh, and game managed his, his way around that golf course very, very well. Yeah. Well, you know, you think about number 18 and the finish. Where were you and what did that, what did that scene look like to you, Todd? Well, I wasn't caught up in that fury of fans breaking through the ropes. Um, I was uh, I was actually behind the clubhouse watching others watch him um, because it was just too much of a sea for me. Uh, but yeah, you know, I saw Ricky Fowler watching, John Rahm watching. I saw all the support people that I mix watching. And, you know, the, the distinguished people that were there in the clubhouse that weren't in the mix. Uh, you know, because I was watching them watch history, which I I find to be fascinating as well. I I guess I. I mean, it was, it, it was a cool moment to witness, but um, I kind of like watching others watch that cool moment. I, I don't know why uh, that's important to me, but I just feel like, you know, watching their reaction, that, that's, that's much more critical to me than actually me being in there and watching it myself. I don't know, weird that way. Yeah, I just don't really understand. <laughs> no, I 100% I agree. And even your uh, your colleague, Ryan Lavner, uh, took a photo of Paul Casey, who was t uh, taking video on his phone of the moment, right? right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's huge. I mean, I, I had this interesting conversation last night on live from 
the PBA championship, first off, I have to go back to Saturday night, and it's with my friend and somebody who I respect so much in the industry, and Jaime Diaz, and, and, and we asked, or asked him, rather, on air, if he wins, where does he'll rank? And he said, well, he wouldn't be inside the top 10, inside the top 15, maybe. And I was like, huh. And then, and then he won, and then I, I re-asked that question to Jaime, and... <laughs> And he said, well, maybe he's tied for 10th with Walter Hagen. And, and I, I, I pointed it out in a line or two. I'm like, look, no disrespect to Walter Hagen. He's a great player. But Walter Hagen didn't have to beat the talent that he, that Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods had to beat. I mean, the depth globally. I mean, if you consider, just think about this. Let's think about some of this. First off, the depth globally in golf, and a lot of that is because of Tiger Woods is tremendous number one through number 100 right now the the difference between those two players one and 100 is far smaller than when jack nicholas played in number one and number 100 was uh you know that they were i feel like they were separated so much and then if you go and that's the modern era and if you go back before that i mean it's surely even greater uh, a difference between one and 100 uh so for Phil to win 45 times, and for him to win this PGA Championship, not only at the age of 50, but what many will consider the hardest golf course that they will play all year, the longest golf course in major championship history, it's amazing. Uh, so finally, finally, Heimer did say, okay, I'll, I'll put him in the top 10, like I said, tied with Walter Hagen. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal. It really is phenomenal that I and you were fortunate to be working where where we had a chance to cover Tiger Woods at the height of his powers who reshaped the game of golf. He urbanized golf. He made it popular and obviously he's done what he's done in the game. And Phil Mickelson who has tremendous talent, maybe not quite as much as Tiger, but not far from it. And the way he is just so beloved, uh, even in his failures. Mm. Uh, so, so it's I, I, I just feel fortunate to be you know a to have the job that I have and to be to be covering these icons. Right, and when you say beloved, it's not just the fans. Think I, he had a huge bear hug with Mark Canizero from the New York Post. He goes way back with Canizero. Um, and, and Ronan Flood, the caddy for Padraig Harrington, they had one of the longest hugs, and longer than Ricky and uh, you know Paul Casey's hug combined. It's amazing how the influence he has on other people that beyond fans too. Oh, look, there, <laughs> you, you may know this. There is a put a microphone in front of Phil, uh, and although he is engaging, he is fun and he is a great listen. Uh, it, there is also. A uh, fill with uh, thinking of brand. <laughs> yeah. Thinking, thinking about talking what he wants to talk about. You know, I mean, every player does this. I'm not saying it. I'm not picking on Phil. But behind the scenes, especially in like team rooms at the Ryder Cup and President's Cup, the stories that I hear about Phil, about he is he he is incredible in those rooms. He's fun. He's engaging. Uh, he's popular. He's he's. You, you can laugh with, laugh at him. Uh, he, he, you know, he's not offended. Uh, he, you know, he's ultra competitive. Uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's interesting to be around for sure. And, um, and he is by far liked to respect. Like, I mean, 
I read on Twitter this morning. I remember when VJ and Phil got into it a bit at the Masters, uh, maybe a decade because of some the spikes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I read it today. I mean, VJ was like, I mean, just pouring love on Twitter. Like, hey, way to go, Phil. Fist bump emoji. I'm <laughs> proud of you. You know, I mean, he is highly respected. I mean, and why should he be? Uh, it, so it's, you know, it's, it was a remarkable thing to witness yesterday. It's something that, I mean, it was, it was in the first half hour of the Today Show. I mean, when, we, when something like that crosses sports lines and gets into pop culture, I mean, it's a big moment. Yeah. I'm friends with the producer for Pardon the Interruption, and I said, if he wins today, I mean Sunday, if he wins, what are Tony and Mike going to do? And he says, they're going to go wild is what they're going to no, do because they love the guy. Um, i got to ask you, so but Brooks Kepka, any surprises with how he how he played on Sunday? Um, first off, I think not only is his right knee still bugging him, but his left knee is still bugging him. Uh, and, but he won't, he's a tough character, and he, he's not going to make excuses. Um. Yeah, I, I was a I I was a little surprised he didn't play better. I, I mean, the putting was his was his anchor this entire week. Um, it, he he just didn't he couldn't figure the putting out. I, and a lot of it talking to him was he's just not used to that. That the grasses it was a past pile of grass on these greens that players just generally don't they rarely if ever have played on. Um, right. Uh, and that may seem small, but at, at this high level, you know, it really affects speed, and speed affects break, and he just, just didn't, he didn't quite have it at all. Um, but, yeah, I was a little, I was a little surprised he didn't play better. Um, and, you know, if he if he shot even Paul on that front side, you know, we could be talking a different story, how would have Phil reacted, mm. uh, and so on and so on. So, but, you know, Brooks is tough. Once he gets healthy, I think... He's going to be dangerous again, again. So, yeah, he's such a mental alpha. Like that—that's not going to go away ever. Uh, we got Tory Pines coming up in a couple weeks. What do you, you know, where do we go from here as we look ahead to Tory? Well, first off, here's another remarkable fact. You know, Phil got a special exemption into the U.S. Open <laughs> this year. But now, because he wins, he's going to play in the U.S. Open for the next five years. So he's got five more chances to complete the career Grand Slam. Uh, he's going to play this upcoming week at Colonial in the Charles Schwab Challenge, uh, our championship, excuse me. And um, then he said he's going to spend a couple of weeks playing touring. He lives in the San Diego area. Um, I think he's going, to, he's going to work a lot those two weeks. And so, again, getting his mind right, uh, obviously, the golf course is going to be, I mean, he played there in 2008, obviously, but the golf course is not going to be the same golf course that they see in January. Uh, so I think he's going to be prepared, and obviously I think he's going to be confident. If he wins the career Grand Slam in his hometown, it, it by far will be the biggest story of the year. Um, and something that... It, it, I mean, I don't know which. I don't. Yeah, it, it would be even bigger than him, obviously, winning the PGA Championship yesterday. Biggest story of the year. I mean, that it came golf for sure, it, right? But I mean, you you might be able to blow that up a little bit even more, though. It could be more than just the year. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tiger winning the Masters in twenty nineteen. You know, 
Yeah, I, you know, I was even asked today which which was bigger, what Phil did or what Tiger did in 2019. And it's it's hard to compare those two. I mean, it's it's one and one a. Uh, but you know, if I you know, I guess if I had to right now, if I was forced to pick, I, I would say what Phil did yesterday was probably better than what just slightly better than what Tiger did in 2019 because of the things I mentioned, the fact is how tough the golf course was because he, you know, he, he wasn't playing well. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, and because it, you know, it's just, he's, I mean, he's 50. He's 50. He's technically, he's, you know. It sounded like you cut out. You cut out there, Todd. Go ahead. You said he's fifty. I mean, I mean, just the biggest thing. He's fifty. He's three weeks away from being fifty-one. I mean, it's just remarkable. Uh, we tried to find something yesterday in our TV compound. Who has done something remarkable at the age of fifty in sports? Uh, is there a baseball player? Is there a basketball, hockey player, football player? You know, well, we found we found out that a NASCAR driver. One at the age of 50, Harry Gann, the Skull Bandit. Uh, he won at Talladega while he was in his 50s. That's about it. <laughs> That's the game of golf. I mean, the longevity of golf, right? Yeah, I mean, after that, the fact that, you know, it's, it's Phil. It's just crazy. And the fact that he's been able to maintain his health the way he has and, and just, he's got that liquid swing, I think that's definitely helped him. It's not, he doesn't have, although he goes after it, it doesn't seem as violent. Uh, as a lot of players out on the PGA Tour, so you know, I guess I guess just slightly, slightly better uh, was Phil Mickelson doing what he did. But I feel like they're both those victories, Tiger in nineteen and, and Phil yesterday, uh, both were equally impactful. I'll leave it at that. Right, and and I would also say I would add this: what Tiger did in two thousand eight at the U.S. Open at Torrey, right? Tiger and Rocco. If you would have told us as golf fans after that playoff that. Okay, neither of these guys are going to be back at the next U.S. Open at Torrey. They're just not going to play it. But then you also, as a caveat, well, actually, Phil's going to go into that next U.S. Open at Torrey coming off a major at age 50. I mean, that would be a lot to process, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, we would start calling mental institutions for people who would pose that question to me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it is amazing. It's it's. He, he's going to go down. Phil is going to go down as, as in my opinion, for sure. Jaime Diaz is one of the top ten greatest players ever. <laughs> Just no question. Yeah. Um, well, hey, in closing, you have obviously everybody that watches you on TV. You you have a unbelievable job the access the players the relationships i've seen just how how much the players trust you their families trust you what, what is your favorite part about your job when you're out there on the road um i i guess you know i and i've experienced it probably more because this is my 14th year at the golf channel of the last five years or so but the relationship I have, not only with just players, but like you mentioned, everyone, the caddies, coaches, uh, agents, you know, more than just reporter subject. Um, it is a personal relationship. You know, we get dinner, we you know, spend time with their families, um, seeing what they do with charities and, and helping out uh, people that need with foundational stuff and 
you know, and just building, building those bonds, you know, and I think that's a big thing. The other thing is the camaraderie I have with my team uh, at the Golf Channel NBC. I, I, especially my inner circle that I travel with uh, out on tour. I mean, our devotion to excellence is something we are very, very proud of. I've got great people that, that I work with. Uh, yeah, my, my producer, Andrew Bradley, who I know you know, he's not my producer. I shouldn't say that. Our producer, but I primarily work with him. I do also work with a couple other guys that I enjoy. They have that equal, or they equally are passionate, but you know, when, you know, when Andrew and I are together, we just got, we, he's like my work wife. We're reading each other's minds and what to do. <laughs> so, uh, so it's good. You know, just the, the camaraderie and, and the passion that, that we have for our viewers uh, as employees, uh, we take that very seriously. You know, we're very responsible uh, in that, and that people don't just stumble across the Golf Channel. We're a destination channel. People watch us for a reason, and so we want to make sure that when they turn to us, that they are informed and entertained because that's that's why they got there. That's great stuff. Well, this Todd Lewis, Golf Channel reporter and anchor. You can see him at these upcoming U.S. Women's Open. You're going to see him anchor some coverage, pre-game, post-game coverage, Golf Central. You were out there all week at the PGA Championship. Dude, congrats on, on a big week for you to be a part of that history, man. A lot of fun, Garrett. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy.